The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? Pete Sweeney here. Once again this week, K-State basketball has taken over 610 Sports Radio on Wednesday night. So it means no Arrowhead Pride Radio. In its place, once again, here is my 3 p.m. Wednesday segment with Carrington Harrison on the drive talking all things Kansas City Chiefs. He's usually at Arrowhead or the practice field or his living room, but it's 3 o'clock on a Wednesday, which means it's time for Chiefs insider Pete Sweeney to join the drive. Back in on the drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. We talked to someone who was eliminated from our survivor, <laughs> so I don't really know how much of his NFL predictions that you can take seriously. Continue to listen to me as someone who is <laughs> still without a strike in our survivor league as I continue to dominate and show you guys that my knowledge of the NFL is superior to basically anybody breathing. Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief of the most popular Chiefs website, Arrowhead Pride is in studio. <laughs> I want to come back to this conversation about Clyde Everett Hilaire because the text line has okay. really upset me. It's their arguments for Daryl Williams are just not based in anything factual or with real information. It's just based on feeling, which is fine. I mean, we all make arguments based off feeling, but I don't know how anyone can make the argument that Daryl Williams is better than Clyde Everett Hilaire when the numbers are just staring you in the face and saying, no, he's not. I don't get it. I, I, but I think it is Clyde met, Edwards Hilaire. It, it, well, the NFL, for what it's worth, is a what have you done for me lately league. Look no further than how everyone is. And I would say locally to an extent, too. It's not as bad locally. Um, but nationally is, is kind of back on the Chiefs. They're coming off a game where you had the most productive game of, of Darrell Williams' career. What I think is happening with Clyde Edwards Hilaire is he's not what people thought he was at the very beginning of his career. So now it's like, I think what it is, is people thought he was going to be a game changing. He was going to be the Kareem Hunt replacement. He's not the Kareem Hunt replacement. He's a fine running back. He's the 17th best running back in the league, but he's a starting running back in the league. We've seen enough Daryl Williams in a Chiefs uniform to say what he is. He's your second and third option. He's a guy who's capable of filling in if a guy is injured, but that's not a guy that you can ride for 17 games. That guy can't be your number one option in the running game. You'd have one of the bottom five running backs in the league if that was the case. This is kind of complicated because I I definitely agree with you, and I, I think you got to point back to when Clyde was drafted, the rumblings 
out of Arrowhead were that he would be similar, if not better, than Brian Westbrook, who is not a pro football Hall of Famer, but he's an Eagles Hall of Famer, and he was a damn good player. And immediately on draft night, the expectations are really high. Then you start to get these rumblings uh, from the Lewis Riddicks and the Peter Schriggers, who we know have connections within the personnel department at Arrowhead Stadium, and they're going on record and saying you should draft him 1.1 overall. And I, I, even if you don't play fantasy football, right, what does that equate to? Well, I'll tell you, if you don't play fantasy, and if you do, you know this, but if you don't, that means that he's going to have better numbers than Christian McCaffrey in his rookie season. So immediately, and I, I think you got to point to the organization a little bit here, they kind of floated out like this guy was going to be one of the elite skill position players in the league before he even took a snap. And then you had the offseason in which there were no off-the-field organized team activities, so he was at a disadvantage to begin with. And now two times in a row you've seen him when he's about to really take off, he gets injured. You had back-to-back games of 100 yards rushing this year, and then all of a sudden he gets injured. And so I, I do agree with you. I think that we probably thought that he was going to be a better player and a more elite player than he is, but there's two things there. A, that's a little bit of the organization's fault, and then B, I don't know if we know definitively that he's not because two times here when he, it seemed like he was about to take off, he got badly injured. Right now we're talking to Pete Sweeney joining us in studio. So let's talk about the Chiefs. I think the number one question right now in the NFL, which is weird because I would say the Chiefs have been involved in the number one storyline in the NFL now for four consecutive weeks, like dating back to Sunday night against the Bills. I think they have been the top on the field story almost every week in the NFL. Do you believe that the Chiefs are back? Because that's really all that matters this week in the NFL. If the Chiefs are back, then the AFC Super Bowl conversation is turned upside down and on its head if you believe the Chiefs are back. I think they're back in contention. It depends on what back means. Do I think that they're definitively the best team in the AFC like they were before the season starts? I don't. Not yet. I think they can get there. I feel better about it than I did last week after seeing what we saw on Sunday night. I think they're back as AFC contenders, and I think for a little bit there we were unsure – a, if they would have a chance at winning the division. Now they're in first place, so they're in the driver's seat there. And there was a, even a point where we were questioning, could they be out of the wild card picture? I, I think you can basically assume at this point the Chiefs are going to make the postseason. What happens after that, we'll see. Uh, the division messed up. I mean, we talked about the Chargers and the Raiders and the Broncos. They had a golden opportunity that if they just took care of business against teams they should beat, they they would have been in the mix here, and, and they just let this thing go, and I think that's a grand mistake. I think what's happened over the with the Chiefs over the last two weeks really goes to show you how finicky and how quickly the league can change. Two weeks ago, if Aaron Rodgers plays that game, I think the Chiefs get beat pretty handily in that game. Mm. I think they get beat pretty handily just based on how Green Bay was playing, how Rodgers was playing heading into well, was that Green game. Bay, was Green Bay score 14? Yeah. They do. You get a break, and you don't have to apologize for it. Right. Aaron Rodgers misses the game. You win that game, but you don't feel great about the win. You then turn around, and I would argue you got one of the most impressive wins this year in the NFL regular season of any team. I mean, going on the road and beating that Raiders team in that environment by almost 30 points is a really impressive statement win. 
It also happened on Sunday Night Football, so everybody got to see it. And you know those games just carry a different weight because your game isn't blocked by anybody. People's time isn't split up between anything. They're watching your team, and that's the last image that's really stuck in everybody's head was Kansas City dominating it. It just goes to show you how the league can just change and be turned upside down so quickly where the Chiefs would not have been a playoff team at the beginning of the week. They were the eighth seed in the AFC. Now you look at it. If the playoff started today, your first game would be against Pittsburgh. Everybody would pick the Chiefs against Pittsburgh in a playoff scenario. And then they would go on the road to play Tennessee. And if you're telling me of all the teams that are making the playoffs, which team would I be most comfortable playing? I probably would pick Tennessee just based on their history and their quarterback and betting that he can't do it. Right, and we've just seen in in NFL history where teams have really handled other teams in the regular season, and then you get to the playoffs, and it's a completely different story. It's You could point to in recent years when I believe it was the playoffs in which the Chargers beat the Ravens, and the Ravens had handled them during the regular season, or maybe I'm misremembering, and maybe it's opposite, but I... You know, once you get to playoff football, it's a completely different game. You kind of throw that first game out the window. And, and yeah, I, I think what you, what you look at right now with the Chiefs is if the playoff tournament started today, you would feel pretty good about their chances, and I just don't think we were there yet. I've been making the analogy to Press Your Luck, that old game show, where every team is kind of taking their chance up to spin the wheel, mm-hmm. and everybody's landing on a whammy, like Baltimore. Yeah. You, you land on a whammy. You lose to the Dolphins. That's a game you got to put in your pocket. If you're the Los Angeles Chargers, you got a home game against Minnesota. That, that's not a playoff 100%. team. You got to find a way to win that game. Tennessee lost that game earlier to the Jets. Now, if you're going to go five and zero against the stretch that they just went up against, it's going to erase the losses you had against the the top of the Jets. But every team has been sort of unable to navigate that one big mistake. Kansas City has some bad losses. You got smoked by Buffalo. You got smoked by Tennessee. But you've won all the games that you were supposed to win. You can't say that for every team in the league this season. Well, that's the one thing you can hang your hat on if you're the Kansas City Chiefs is is the teams that you were supposed to beat, you beat. And then, you know, you go back to those initial games against the Ravens. Who knows how that turns out if Clyde doesn't fumble. And same thing against the L.A. Chargers where you were terrible when it came to turnovers. If you have one or two less turnovers in this game or if Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw uh, a long ball to Travis Kelsey where they were trying to do the mind meld thing and it wasn't exactly a route and it was downfield and ended up getting picked off. I mean, you're looking at a completely different season with the Chiefs right now in the driver's seat to maybe get the AFC by and, and the Bills game would be looked at as as a hiccup, for example. And so I, I don't know. It's been a very odd season. What I will say, I, I think there's a solace here in, this, in the sense that I, I think sometimes you have a team we saw it to an extent in 2020 with the only real loss coming against the Las Vegas Raiders where, you know, you don't really lose and you dominate and you, you are the buy and you don't really have to look in the mirror and the players don't feel it as bad without having the actual losses. And I don't know, I, I coming out of that Las Vegas Raiders game, this looks like a team that still feels like they have improvement to do. And I just think when you're winning 14 games like the Chiefs, did last year you never get to that point where we got to figure this thing out and the Chiefs have entered that point and now I think they're going to come out of it for the better who do you believe in in the AFC like is, is there a team that you feel comfortable sort of staking your name and reputation to like 
I, I think the most consistent team has been Tennessee so far this year. Right. But you also don't have Derrick Henry. Julio Jones is out for an amount of time. And I don't care what he does. People won't believe in Ryan Tannehill until they actually see him do it in January. I think he's been one of the better regular season quarterbacks we've seen in the league the last couple of years. But postseason wise, if you've been able to slow down Derrick Henry, you beat the Titans. So I believe the playoff tournament is going to be wide open when you get there. I just kind of noted how teams save things. The playoffs are different. There's ultra preparation. You never know what can happen in the playoffs. When it comes to the regular season, I was really impressed with the Titans and their win against the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams looked like a better team. I know they just got beat by the San Francisco 49ers badly on Monday Night Football, and a lot of people were watching that, and and who knows what the Rams are at this point, the ebbs and flows in the NFL. But I I just felt like that that game against the Rams, 28-16 to away in L.A., that to me felt like a signature win. And, you know, you, you look at the rest of their schedule, if you pull up the Titans' schedule, it goes Texans, Patriots, Jaguars, Steelers, Niners, Dolphins, Texans. The ones that jump out there are the Patriots, who are are, are looking pretty good. Maybe the Steelers, maybe the 49ers, if they, they, they're turning this thing on its head. And they have some room here, and they have a tiebreaker against the Chiefs. So I don't know about the actual postseason when we get to it, but I, I tend to believe the Titans are going to wrap up this bye. I, I kind of feel like that. And so to me, that by default makes them the AFC team I can believe in because they're going to have a major advantage in not having to play that first weekend. You know the team that I'm actually really high on right now? New England. Yeah. I think they can run the ball. I think they get good enough quarterback play. Consistent. Like, you know exactly what Mac Jones is. Mm-hmm. Like, we compare everybody to Alex Smith. That's what they're trying to turn Mac Jones into. Like, can you be Alex Smith? Yeah. Every year, can you be a guy who can complete 68% of his passes, throw for 30 touchdowns, have fewer than uh, five intercept or fewer than 10 interceptions, and our run game and defense are going to be enough to get us the rest of the way? We just aren't going to let you mess it up. I like what I've seen from New England so far. I like them going into that game against Cleveland, but I didn't think they had a 45 7 to hang on them. No, and and the New England Patriots have to be saying to themselves at this stage of the game, kind of that thing we were talking about with the Tennessee Titans. Now, I don't think the Patriots could have worked themselves into bye week contention, but they're certainly looking more and more like a playoff team and and potentially one that could knock off the Buffalo Bills and get the division back. And so I I tend to like the Patriots too. I, I what I mentioned about the Kansas City Chiefs, where you're starting to see the beginnings of this midseason surge. I think you're certainly seeing it with New England, and New England came to this offseason determined to flip the team and to um, change things immediately. You know, Bill Belichick is never going to go into the idea that Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl mattered. Let me tell you something. It mattered. He wanted to change this thing quickly. You saw it in the sweeping moves uh, that they made in free agency, and I think you're seeing a, a maturing team. And I've said this before, too. With rookie quarterbacks, what's interesting about it is some, it takes a couple seasons. Others kind of can, can fit in and, and be what they need to be. And I think that is working for Mac Jones, where he is maybe this Alex Smith type of quarterback right now in the first year. And you, you give this guy 17 games, you get to the postseason, it's not really a rookie anymore. It's more like a second-year quarterback because you've been able to go through the ups and downs. You have that staff in New England that's been working with you. So the Patriots are spicy. Uh, I, I think that that... AFC East battle to who see who wins that division is really going to be fascinating down the stretch. Right now we're talking to Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride for the three o'clock hour. Let's get back to the Chiefs and talking about Patrick Mahomes. We asked the question, are the Chiefs back? I made this point on Monday. 
I think too much is made out of has the league figured out X. Right. If you think X is a great player, then the answer <laughs> is always going to be no, because great players always stay ahead of the league. The league didn't figure out Steph Curry. The league didn't figure out Michael Jordan. The league hasn't figured out Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers because they're better than your run of the mill or even good quarterback in the league. So to me, way too much was made out of Mahomes being broken or Mahomes being figured out that he was always going to go back to having a game like he had on Sunday against the Raiders because he's still the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, I I don't know. <clears throat> I, I think it actually was a bigger deal for me a few weeks ago when the defense started playing better because I think even as many games as it's been, you know, you want to call it what was from week two on weeks and weeks of struggle for Patrick Mahomes and the offense where it just didn't look the same again. History told us that eventually Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid were going to figure this out. You don't score 50 touchdowns in 2018 to just have your, in your fourth year, you to kind of fall off the map. And so when the defense started playing well and they were able to get some of those what were defensive wins against the Giants and what were the Jordan Love Packers, then I, I was like, okay, maybe they can write this shit because I think the eventually the offense would figure it out, and, and they did. And now it's, it's going to be up for the Dallas Cowboys to see if they can get back to making Patrick Mahomes struggle. When you talk about, okay, what's more likely, the Dallas Cowboys to get that version of the Chiefs offense to revert or Patrick Mahomes and the offense to continue doing what they they could do against the Las Vegas Raiders I don't know about you but I'm betting on Patrick Mahomes to kind of continue what what he started in in Las Vegas it's not that surprising to me that this offense opened up when they had a legitimate third option yeah Hill was good Kelsey was good we've been saying here for weeks somebody else on this offense needs to step up Daryl Williams has a hundred yards receiving they score 40 points like, that's all they've really been needing is one more offensive player, whether it's a running back who can run for 90 yards, whether it's another wide receiver that can take and alleviate some pressure. Right. That's all they really needed was somebody else to kind of shoulder the burden offensively. They got that. Their offense looked normal. And another thing, and I haven't heard too many people talking about this, the turnover luck kind of swung back in their direction too. Yeah. There were two clear dropped interceptions <laughs> by the Raiders that a couple of weeks ago they were catching and making those plays against Mahomes. They were dropping them, and then you you know prolong the possession. You keep giving Mahomes opportunities. Eventually, he's going to sting you. Yeah, that's that's if you want to talk about a book, it's it's more elongating these drives than it is stopping the Chiefs. And when you have elongated drives, that means more plays, which means more opportunities to turn over Patrick Mahomes. And when you don't have that payoff, you're going to be punished with a touchdown. And I, I think we did start to see that a little bit. There was also the Tyree kill just dropped ball randomly. It almost looked like a basketball dribble that he was able to pick up. So there were a few of those, those spots in this game. And, and it's funny because there isn't really a statistic you can put on it, but all of a sudden when it feels like you turned your momentum. Those things, it just feels like they start to go your way a little bit. And I, you know, I, I know we can't ever put a number on what was mojo, but it just felt like the Chiefs, I know they've been saying swagger all week, but it, it, there, there was like an intangible mojo that they got back that they've had for years when, you know, the universe is right and things are going right. And, and I do think there were several times when the, the ball bounced the Chiefs way on Sunday. I could tell pretty early on in this game that their focus level was heightened. Yeah. They came out in the all-white uniforms. Clean. 
the captain <sighs> choice was Mahomes, those Matthew, things. and Bucker. Wait, wait a minute. Just, the white-on-white purse, right? I mean, those those things. That's their best uniform combination. Thank you. Okay, we agree. Yeah. I, now, I, don't, I like that they don't wear it a lot. I mm. like that they... Hey, the last time you wore it was the Monday night football game against the Rams. That was a big game. You break out the white on whites. This was a really big game. Like, I I, I don't like that they overdo it. I kind of feel the same way about the red on reds. I don't love the red on reds. Yeah. But I also understand that's something you pull out in a special occasion. You know, like, if you got a pair of good shoes, <laughs> you can't always wear your good shoes. You got to wait till you got a nice day, and then you pull out your good shoes. The thing that I also like about the white on white on red sock, which I believe is their best combination, too, is they seem like they win win in them very consistently. The red on red is about 500 ball. It's not like they put on the red on red and it's always this definite energy boost that they end up winning the game. It's usually an, an interesting game and half the time they lose in it. So I don't know that adds, that adds to the mystique of it as well. Right now we're talking to Pete Sweeney, the editor in chief of Arrowhead pride. It's also not surprising to me. This defense really turned around when their defensive line started playing better. Yeah, Like once Frank Clark got healthy and started playing better, they started winning. Jaron Reed gets his first sack on Sunday. They played well. They got two sacks. Mahomes didn't get sacked. Only got hit three times. Chris Jones got healthy, got the wrist right, moved back to his natural position. You then make a trade for Melvin Ingram, who has instantly helped this team. It's not that surprising to me. It's a, To me, it is a one-to-one core. Two things happened to change this defense. They changed the role for Daniel Sorensen, and they put a much more athletic safety back there. Right. That's when their pass defense got, I think, noticeably better. Mm-hmm. They've started getting better pressure up front. They're starting to get pressure on the other team's quarterback, and it's opened up the defense. I thought it was a really funny point, and maybe it goes back to my my mojo type of universe thing, but the team's playing well, and no more evidence than Jaron Reed, who you know to an extent has been a little bit invisible this year. He gets a sack. And then you have like a punt interception to Daniel Sorensen, who has been the recipient of so much criticism this year, not only locally. It has bled into the national conversation with Mina Kimes and pointing out Daniel Sorensen. So both of those players end up making plays. And I think by and far the defensive line just finally looks like it has juice. And that has been the signature of every successful Steve Spagnolo defense. It's having these guys wreak havoc up front because that makes things easier for guys at the second level and the secondary. And we're not even mentioning who has been the best defensive player for these chiefs. And it's, it's not Tyron Matthew. It's not Juan Thornhill. It's not Frank Clark. It's Nick Bolton who has just come out of nowhere and has looked like a veteran in his first year. And that has seemed to get even um, more magnified with Willie Gay coming back into the lineup and they just seem way faster and, and I, I think the biggest takeaway that I had from Sunday night, and this kind of bleeds into this point, is, man, they were playing complimentary football. And you could see that the Raiders felt under pressure from that, where, okay, you know, maybe the, uh, the defense gives up a touchdown while the offense goes and pours it on. Or, okay, now it looks like Derek Carr is maybe going to try to make this a shootout, and then Deshaun Jackson is real confused down the field, and Rashad Fenton knocks it out of his hands and gets the ball back in the hands of the offense. Tommy Townsend comes out, and he throws a dart to Marcus Kemp, and that drive turns into a touchdown. It was just a complete game. And if they can play like that, uh, this is the cliche of cliches, but if they can play like that all three phases, I don't know who beats them in the NFL. I agree. I still think that their best is better than just about everybody's best. There's a couple of teams in the NFC. Like I'd put Dallas in that category. That's why this weekend is. I think the fun. Rams are in that I agree. category. I agree on da- I agree on Dallas uh, more than what the Rams have shown us recently, but that's just, again, it's, it's a week to week league. 
Dallas is a good team all around. And that's why this game, you know, you almost wish, wish it, it did have the primetime treatment. I know it's getting the late afternoon treatment, but uh, this could be the game of the year. And maybe even a game that we, we go back and say this was the initial uh, game where these two teams look like they could go blow for blow. Maybe this ends up being your Super Bowl preview. Yeah, I said on Monday that I would say it's been a year since we felt like they played their complete game. Like, I felt that was the Chiefs playing at an A. I don't think they played at an A-plus level. Like, the special teams could have been better, but that's Mm -hmm. arguing to me the difference between playing at 100% and 96% the way that they played. Like, you played really, really well. I also think that this is the first time probably since Sunday morning of week one that you felt really good about Kansas City. Because every other game, even in the games that they won up to this point, there were still big questions. They didn't play well against the Cleveland Browns. They didn't play well against the the Giants. They didn't play well against the Packers. The Eagles were in that game to an extent even. And they ended late. up winning 42 The Eagles yeah. were in that game late where the offense just kept had, uh, yeah. had to keep scoring and scoring and scoring. This is the first win all season where everything looked right. Everything worked offensively it worked the play calling defensively they forced turnovers they got pressure it's just really hard to kind of poke holes in this game that's how well they played right and I I think you get to a point too when when the holidays start right so we had we had Halloween and and the real football sometimes doesn't start until you know you get to when Halloween passes it starts to get a little bit colder out you can start to really see okay this team can consistently do it and again you know I go back to that point you would much rather the Chiefs play like this, and I have to do the math every time now because it's a new, and finish, let's say, 12-5 and five or 13-4 and four and be playing like this at the end than you would ever take 14-2 and two and just getting killed in what becomes the Super Bowl. You've seen your problems, you've addressed them, and now you're playing your best football into the second half, and you got to continue that as you get into what will be December and January. Coming up on the other side, let's take a look ahead and talk about the Cowboys game. I agree with you. I think this is going to be, I think this is one of the five biggest games of the NFL regular season. Like there's going to be some bigger games later in the season just because of how the NFL schedule kind of comes together. But we're talking about who I think is arguably the NFC favorite, certainly in the Mm -hmm. conversation. Kansas City is certainly in the conversation. Two elite quarterbacks, two elite offenses, good defenses on both sides. I think this has a chance to be game of the year potential. We'll get to that next. Stick around. It's a drive. Welcome to the NFL. Chiefs insider Pete Sweeney is in studio every Wednesday at 3, right here on 610 Sports Radio. 257 to go in the first quarter. Mahomes fakes a handoff to Williams, now throws it left corner. Caught! LaSalle touchdown! Kansas City! Tyreek Hill! Bling, bling, touchdown machine. An eight-yard reception, burning the Raiders on a corner route. It's an 89-yard touchdown drive. Oh, boys! I'm back! Here's Dot. I'm really struggling with who I'm going to pick in this game for this reason. On one side, I do believe in momentum and believe that Kansas City is playing better and are trending in the direction of figuring things out. I like what I've seen from the defense. I think the defensive improvements are for real. I do think that Mahomes is on the right side of this thing, and you weren't going to keep a player of his caliber down for too long. Mm -hmm. He was eventually going to figure it out. 
But on the other side, I also think the Chiefs are playing one of the few teams in the league that I think are just better than they are. Like, I think the Cowboys are one of the five best teams in the league. I think they've been that pretty consistently the entire season. Yeah. So you asked the question earlier, their best against other teams best. The Chiefs are playing one of the few teams that if they play their A game, I think they beat you. So I'm really torn on where my official pick is going to be between these two teams because I got a lot of respect for what Kansas City did on Sunday against the Raiders. I also have a lot of respect for who the Cowboys are. Yeah, I I think Dallas is one of the more complete teams in the league, period. And what hurts Kansas City also, and this goes back to a little bit of what we were talking about before the break, Dallas had its bad loss, right? It's not like they're coming in riding high. They're just going to think they're you're going to they're going to roll over the Chiefs. They've realized that if we don't come to play against each and every team, not that they wouldn't have come against Kansas City anyway because of the, you know, being back-to-back AFC champions and whatnot. But dropping that game to the Denver Broncos had to be the ultimate refocus for them. They probably said to themselves, we cannot overlook anyone. We can't overlook a day of practice. We can't overlook a day of work or game planning. We got to be ready to go, rearing to go. That game's in their rearview mirror, and now they're playing well again. They played as as good as a game as you could possibly p- play against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, granted, that's the Falcons, but you put put the Falcons in the same level as you would the Broncos, and and back to back, it was a terrible performance and a really good performance. And and I'm happy that the Chiefs were able to feel like they figured things out because this was this was looking like a game where you had the Cowboys playing well and the Chiefs still a mess and now suddenly it feels like you're getting the best versions of these teams at a at a time when they both really could use the win the the Cowboys need it to stay on pace with the NFC bye and the Chiefs basically need to win out so uh, I'm excited to see uh, what ends up happening in this game there's a reason that it's only a three-point spread at Arrowhead Stadium we knew that this stretch was We knew that this stretch was going to define the Chiefs. I've been banging the drum at the beginning of the month. You got to go three and one over this month. You had the gimme win against the Giants, and you had to win two out of three against the Packers, Raiders, and the Cowboys, I think, to stay in playoff contention. They've done that. Right. If this team can go seven and four, so they win on Sunday, you have that stretch against the Packers on the road against the Raiders and take care of business at home against the Cowboys. And then you get that bye week, you get Clyde Edwards to layer back, you get Kyle Long back. Hopefully, no significant injury happens in this game. And then you play every team in your division the next three weeks. This team can go from the eight seed mm-hmm. to potentially being as high as the two seed. I don't think the one's that realistic for them. Well, the, 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 the technicality is there. That's the problem. So you have the Titans and Bills and Ravens ahead of them. Each of them has less than three losses, three or less. Uh, the Titans have two, the Bills have three, and the Ravens have three. Chiefs already have four losses, and they don't have the tiebreaker against them because they lost to all of them head-to-head. So you would need, if you wanted to be the one seed, you would need the Titans to lose three games, the Bills to lose two more, and the Ravens to lose two more. All possible, but it's just such a stretch right now for all three of those things to happen. You're probably, as you were alluding to, because of those reasons, looking at a two or three ceiling in the AFC. Do you think they can stop Dallas? I mean, that's really what this conversation comes down to. Do you think they can stop them? Because I think Dallas has the most weapons in the NFL. You could maybe make an argument for Tampa Bay. They yeah. certainly have a lot of weapons. We're talking about three high-end wide receivers, and we're talking about two very capable running backs with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I, I don't think they're going to be able to stop them as they did 
the Las Vegas Raiders. Do I believe that this team could have a big stop in them at the end of a game? Maybe, but I, I think if the Chiefs win this game, it's going to be them staying pace with the Dallas Cowboys offense uh, against the Cowboys defense, which has been pretty good. I mean, that w- that was the one question I had for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes with Trevon Diggs. I mean, this player, I mean, he looks like Marcus Peters did in his first and second year with the the um, tracking down the ball. This is a really strong defense, and, and I, I think – it's going to be the, the Chiefs staying pace with the Cowboys and then the defense eventually at the end of this maybe locking it down, yeah? Yeah, no, we'll certainly see. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, I think it comes down to what we talked about in getting pressure, and you have to get pressure on Dak Prescott. If you don't do that, it's just going to be a very long day. I'm really curious to see how their corners match up. Like, Snead starting to play better football. Rashad Fenton is yeah. pro football focuses number one ranked corner. You got Ward back. Now, I think their offensive weapons are better than your secondary group, but if you're going to get pressure, you match up pretty decently against them. And I know it was going up against Jordan Love, but with the way that Snead played up against Devontae Adams, I feel confident that he can go up against basically any wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The The Cowboys have three of them. And so you, you really got uh, to, you're going to really have to get some good performances from your defensive backs. The most pleasant surprise, I think, and and PFF has alluded to this, and it's kind of gone a little bit under the radar, is just how good Rashad Fenton has been. And you saw the Chiefs sort of adjust to that in the snaps this week with playing Fenton a, a, a bit more. And I, I really think that cornerback room suddenly is is pretty deep. And so Fenton's emergence, and it's weird to say, because who would have thought that this could be the key to the Cowboys-Chiefs game, but Fenton's emergence could prove to be the difference between the Chiefs winning and the Chiefs losing because now you feel like you have the amount of defensive backs to stay with some of these really, really talented Cowboys receivers. Where are you at on Dak Prescott? Because I feel like, I like there, was a, there, was a con- there was a contingent of <laughs> Twitter that compared him to Alex Smith for the first like five years yeah. of his career, and I always thought that that was ridiculous. I think he's a top-five quarterback in the league. I made my tier system last week when we were talking about Derek Carr. I, I had him at the top of tier two right outside the four elite quarterbacks in the league, Rodgers, Wilson, Mahomes, and Brady. Feels right. I, I think he's right there. Uh, I think you're going to see some of these younger guys emerge uh, into that top five as we go here, um, f- at least top ten. And, and you know, you, you want to get really specific here. I, I think you're looking at, like, a lowest, like a top seven quarterback in the NFL. Like, he is – he is among the the upper echelon quarterbacks in the NFL. I like Dak Prescott a lot. He has what it takes, and he has the weapons to win um, at Arrowhead Stadium in a, in a huge game this, this weekend. I, I, it, this, like I said, this could be the, the game of the year for for Chiefs fans. If you can get out there, I, I would. I certainly would. What I think is happening right now in the NFL is we're starting to see the turnover. Like you and I, the guys that we grew up watching, their career is over. So now it's the new guys. Like. These new guys got to start winning rings. Like eventually it's just not going to be Brady winning <laughs> rings and Mahomes already has right. his one. When will Josh Allen get his one? Flacco is starting this weekend. Did you see that? I did see that. <laughs> will, will Lamar get his one? Will Dak ever get one? Yeah. You know, like now it's going to kind of see who's going to be the Rodgers, who's going to be the breeze, who's going to be the guy that picks up their one or two Super Bowls over the next 10 years or so. I would bet my money on Dak Prescott. Like, the talent that they've put around them, knowing Jerry Jones and his desire to win, I'd bet on Dak winning one before it's all over. Right, and and you see how these Cowboys go. They they typically will have a good year like this, and you don't hear from them for a couple of years. And and that hasn't been the case in Kansas City, and that's something we should always remember. Like It's really hard to consistently be this type of contender in the NFL. 
And so where I could maybe agree with you, I, I really think it's a, a this year feel for the, for the Dallas Cowboys, because it always feels like with that franchise, one thing happens and then the whole thing sort of unravels. I don't think the NFC East is going to stink forever. It can't stink forever. And so at a certain point, you're going to start getting your division back. And so the window is probably this year, maybe a next year type of thing for Dallas before I think you're going to you know, have these other teams emerge. And that's why the NFL is so good because of the parity. So coming up on the other side, I want to give people the opportunity to ask you questions. 913-576-7610. We'll take some phone calls and read some text. I have one yeah but from the game on Sunday. The Chiefs did just about everything perfectly. They played at an exceptional level. There is one complaint I have about the game I want to run by you, and I also want to let people ask their questions. 913-576-7610. A special edition of Ask Pete next. It's a drive. Welcome to the NFL. Chiefs insider Pete Sweeney is in studio every Wednesday at 3, right here on 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to 610 Sports Radio, the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Text line 913-576-7610. We'll go to your questions here momentarily. A little ask Pete. Coming up at the top of the hour, I do want to get back to the conversation we were having about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because I just think all of you are wrong. I mean, I, I don't really know how else to tease it much better than that. I think that I'm right and I think you're wrong, and we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. Are you able to, at this point, call any anything wrong as UMKC today? I heard... I heard that that I haven't done anything to you. I heard that that is I haven't said something anything. in my I ear. I heard anything. I, I haven't <laughs> bothered you. Someone said that that is a, a nickname you're going by. Now. That is, is that what true? they are calling me today. Oh. I am UMKC dot is what they are calling me. Thoughts so prayers, I'm thinking about changing. I might change my Twitter handle to that right now. Just UMKC dot. That's uh, literally what I might be. Okay. Uh, from now until the end of the basketball Rue season. Rue up. Um, the only yeah, but that I have, and I mentioned this on Monday and the, Text line ripped me to shreds for it. <laughs> What's the plan with Josh Gordon? Is yeah. he just running wind sprints at this point? Is he just getting a, a, a cardio workout? <laughs> he ran 20 routes. and They never gave him a football. I don't know. I find it strange as well. I, this was something I actually asked Mahomes about last week. And his answer to me was that once the offense gets clicking, then Gordon will be involved. <laughs> I'm not calling out Mahomes here, but the offense got clicking and Gordon didn't see a target. But I, I think it's a learning process right now. And I I think he's this third option. And I know that Daryl became the third option last game, but he's going to be this third option for the Chiefs through the air as a, a receiver, similar to that Sammy Watkins role. If you remember, and we we know this well, CDOT, Sammy Watkins was only healthy for X amount of games. When he was healthy, though, um, it's not like he would have earth-shattering numbers. Fantasy owners would hate it. He would maybe go off for 212 yards one game, and then you really wouldn't hear from him for three or four weeks. It was the games in 2019, if you remember down the stretch and into the playoffs, it was the games where opposing defenses had a good plan for Tyree Killer, Travis Kelsey, and they were curbing them to an extent where – Mahomes started to look at what would be Sammy Watkins, who had the playoff of his life, and he'll always remember that. That's probably going to be the only ring of his career. And I think that is the Gordon role. So when Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are cooking, especially when you have a Daryl Williams high-pointing a ball down the field, there's going to be no room for Josh Gordon. There's only so much tar- or so many targets to go along. But I really tend to, to feel like 
at some point here, Gordon will get involved. I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds hopeful. I, he I hasn't still, touched the ball in five weeks. I'm telling you, I know it, it sounds nuts, but I I think that there is going to be a game where Gordon goes off. I don't know when that's going to be. Maybe it's this weekend. Uh, I still believe, and I but I can understand if, if you're out there and you're, and you're like, Pete, what are you talking about? Fine. You, you could be right as well. I, I still think it's to come. I think that's going to happen too, but you and I both know this is what's going to happen. Rob. <laughs> This is exactly what's going to happen. Josh Gordon's going to have one game where he has four catches for 42 yards and one touchdown. And it's going to be, see, I told you that's why they signed him. And it's like, he didn't touch the ball for a month and a half. And the one time that he touched the ball in the Buffalo game was a broken play. Well, you're, you're, I know you're going to hate this, but remember it, it goes back to the thing where, where they used to say with Sammy, well, what a lot of Sammy does is off ball, right? It's drawing attention. And Andy Reid actually alluded to that during one of his press conferences. He says, you know, he's doing a lot of things off ball. He's drawing attention. It is opening things up for us. But, yeah, I, I would agree. At some point here, you, you would like to see him have a target to see what he can do. I don't it's, know why they can't even manufacture touches. Like, there was that stretch right. there with well, Nicole Hardman where two weeks, they never gave him the ball past the line of scrimmage. They were just running jet sweeps and counters and giving him the football. You can't you can't manufacture a touch for Josh Gordon? Well, Gordon seems like this player who is this big red zone target. Nicole Hardman is, you know, he's a smaller type of receiver that can do some of that jet action, sweep action. I, I, I can't see Gordon doing that in the backfield. I, I think he's a big target for Mahomes, and I think they're still within the first two months of working together, period. And Andy Reid has also said, you know, he's still, to an extent, getting back into football shape. I know over the past two or three minutes I've given you a lot of excuses. What I'll tell you is I do think there's a Josh Gordon game coming. I don't know when that is. Right now we're talking to Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride for a couple more minutes. Pete, while we have you here, oh, it's time. Oh, yeah. For a special edition of Ask Pete. (laughs) Pete. Do you think that the Chiefs will look to replace Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the draft next year, potentially in some of the mid-rounds? No, I don't. I think I think Clyde's going to come back here and, and make a case that he's the guy. I I agree with you. Daryl's had a nice stretch, and he's been fine as a replacement, but I, I think he still has his best football uh, ahead of him, talking about Edwards-Hilaire. And I also don't think the Chiefs draft a running back for a long, long time. I, I don't think they would do it again. Pete, anyway, would you like to see the Chiefs wear a black uniform? Absolutely not. I've been a, a big advocate on social media and on our podcasting at Arrowhead Pride this week of making the white on white on red sock the generic away because I think it does look the best. That's where I would disagree with you. Uh, I want to see it every away game, and they tend to win in it. So let's make that let's make that the generic away jersey, and let's get rid of the red on red. That's an, that's another bolder take. I don't I don't need the red on red anymore. What's your favorite flavor of Skittles? Don't they all taste the same? These Skittles? No. All right, They're not M and M's. Let's go with the orange, right? No, I think they mean like sour, regular, tropical. I don't think they mean. I and that's. I hate to say this. I'm officially on a diet as of three days ago, so we're not thinking How's about that going? Skittles. So far, so good, right? I mean, I ate salad for lunch today. 
Right? What, is, what does a diet for you consist of? It's the fall. You seem like a man who loves a hearty beef stew. Now you can't have beef stew? You're not I'm trying your this chilies? new thing where it's just all about portion control. We'll see how it goes. I'm trying to lose 25 pounds. We're, we're, we're one down already. What are you so. trying to lose 25 pounds for? Summer 22. You can never never start too early. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know why you were Come on. I mean, I, I encourage you in whatever you're trying to do. Thank I just you. didn't know. I didn't know so until yeah, just look, now. We're, we're avoiding Skittles at the moment. So if you have something out there that tastes like Skittles that you could recommend... It's not as fattening. I'd, I'd love to try it. What's your 30-minute comfort show? Right now, mine is Martin on HBO Max. Martin is so good. It's a very my, funny show. My dad used to put on Martin when I was a kid. Rob's is Real Housewives of Atlanta. I loved Martin. I, I'm, I've I'm i been watching, I don't know if you like this show, The Sopranos. I wouldn't consider that a comfort show, but I I love The Sopranos. It's something I've been you know throwing on. Um, I think a, I, think I never 30- watched it, and so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a first-timer, and... If I'm bored, I know it's not it's not even 30 minutes, but I, I'll throw it on. Yeah, I would consider like a 30-minute comfort show to me is like, I, I, I guess it's not 30 minutes either. Like, I really love Bar Rescue. Like, I just like, John Taffer goes in there. We see that it's dirty. Yeah. He then yells at them, and then they turn it so around. This, I it, love it. This is not a regular thing for me, but I got home from the movies last night, and I put on TMZ. And What did you see? What movie did you see? The new Bond. How was it? I love the Bond movies. It's kind of the only real fantasy series that I, I like. I think everyone that they do is, is good, and I thought this one was just as good. Um, Rob, are you a Bond guy? Kind of. Not like Spec or Pete, but I'll, I'll, I need to go see it. It's on my to-do list. TMZ posed an interesting question because of Pete Davidson. You're probably on this Pete Davidson stuff. It was, why can unattractive men get the attractive woman, but these female celebrities that are really funny and unattractive can't get attractive male celebrities to date them. We actually talked about Pete Davidson last week, and my my theory is, my theory is he can make women laugh. And if you can make a woman laugh and feel comfortable, you can always win. Right. So, like, Pete Davidson... He's also, like, seven feet, isn't he? His track record is impressive. You tall guys. He's dating Kim Kardashian. You tall guys have the advantage as well. I mean, 5'9", 5'10", whatever I am, is is not cutting it. You gotta be funny. Yeah, I mean... Kevin Hart's wife's very attractive. He's 5'1". He's funny. (sighs) Yeah, I'm sure he is. Make her laugh. Sure, it has nothing to do with the amount of money he has at all. Oh, you're almost there, though. You're catching up. <laughs> you're pulling in the big bucks over there at Arrowhead Pride. I wish. I uh, wish. That is my guy, Pete Sweeney. He's the editor-in-chief of the most popular Chiefs website, Arrowhead Pride. Coming up, I want to take you guys' phone calls, 913-576-7610. Let's get back into this Clyde Edwards-Hilaire argument and conversation. Because I don't see what you guys are seeing, and it's confusing to me. I'll explain. We'll take your phone calls. We'll talk about it. Danny Parkins up in 15 minutes, too. It's the drive. Rue up.